0: Amen. You can have a seat. I serve on the board of a really small sort of ministry organization that's been doing good work for a long time and has sort of been doing the same things in the same way for a really long time until COVID hit. And then everything came to a complete stop, right? There was nothing going on. And as we came out of that, everyone thought we'd just keep doing the same things in the same way just like we'd always done them, but we soon found out nobody was really interested in doing those things anymore. And then the, the leadership group had to think through, okay, why does this ministry even exist, right? I mean, what, what is the purpose of this group? And there's, there's not really an overriding influence on that, so there's still a few little things going on, but because the group has no cohesive structure, no cohesive mission, there's nothing tying it all together. And so the mission becomes, how do we survive? And that is never a good mission to have, because if there's no real reason to exist, then you're probably not going to exist. Now, what I found is that churches can go through sort of that same sort of identity crisis. Who are we? Why do we exist? Parachurch organizations, Christian colleges, mission organizations can all face that as well. And so it's good for us, before you get to that point, to think about what's the mission of the church? Why do we exist? For Taylorville Christian Church, what is our mission? Now, you know, churches can often say they exist for one reason, but if you look at the life, the rhythm of that church, that community of faith, what you can sometimes find is that there's a spoken mission, and then there's the underlying real mission. And so churches can exist for all kinds of reasons. Some churches exist to provide community for the church members. And so they're really attached to one another. They know when the birthdays are. They know when the anniversaries are. They really share a lot of life together. And you know what? A lot of that is biblical because if you read through the book of Acts, what you're going to find is community is mentioned many different times. And even more than that, you see how community works in the early church. So community itself is biblical. But if if a church is just about that, then it becomes so inwardly focused that the church forgets the world. And so just providing community is not a full biblical vision for what the church is all about. And we're missing something if that's our mission. And in fact, we become more of a social club than the church. Some churches exist to serve others. Now, Again, you think about that, and you see churches feeding people, and you see churches providing for needs like clothing and even housing and all those things. And guess what? That is biblical. When Jesus paints this image of judgment in Matthew 25, He says, you fed me, you clothed me, you gave me water when I needed it, you visited me. All those things are there. But here again, is that a full biblical mission for the church? Because really and truly, if the church is just that... Then it's just one more nonprofit community service agency that might be found in any small town across the United States. That's not the mission of the church, though parts of it are biblical. Some churches decide hey, what we're about is electing the right people to the right offices and enacting the right kind of laws. And again, you go, well, maybe you can find some of that, but I think that's hard to even point to in scripture, and yet churches do it. It's not a biblical mission for the church. So what is it? Why do we exist? That's what I want us to think about for the next few minutes. And some of you, if I ask, what's the mission of Taylorville Christian Church? You could tell me that quick because we've talked about it before, but some of you are maybe a little more new and you haven't heard us go through this. So today, I want us to think about that for a few minutes. And the way we're going to do that is to turn to a really short letter that we find in the New Testament the book of 2 John. Now, we see this mission at work across the New Testament. And I believe we could turn to a number of places and see this mission at work, but it's stated clearly in 2 John as well. So, 2 John, short little letter. John's name doesn't actually appear there, but the early church attributes this letter to John, along with 1 John, Third John, the Gospel of John, and Revelation. Okay, so this is the Apostle John, the Apostle whom Jesus loved, that we have writing this letter. Now, what's this letter about? Okay, John is writing this letter to a church that he wants to visit and maybe is going to visit. But before he gets the chance to get there, he dashes off this short letter, half a page in my Bible, to answer an important question. Here's the question. Did Jesus have a physical body? And many of us are going, that's not really a hard question, right? Yeah, of course he did. And we might actually ask a different question in our culture 2,000 years later. Our question might be, was Jesus the human being actually God? What does it mean that this human being named Jesus who lived in the first century, what does it mean for us to call him the Son of God? How does that work? That's a question a lot of people are asking in our culture, and it's a good question for us to examine, and we'll do that. But today I want us to think about this question that this church was asking that, that John wanted to answer. And the reason they're asking the question is for a couple reasons, as a matter of fact. The first is they looked around at the world. They looked at each other. They looked at themselves and you know, said, you know what? Our physical bodies, man, they are sinful. We, we use our physical bodies to sin in all kinds of ways. We kill each other. We harm each other physically. We commit sexual immorality. We steal from one another with our, mouth, our mouths. We lie. We cheat people. We say terrible things about people. We gossip. All those things are at work in our physical body. And they sort of looked around and said, you know what? These things are bad. And how could it be that Almighty God would come and be among us and take on this evil Flesh. Doesn't make sense to us. And they also said, you know what else about our physical bodies? They die. These physical bodies wear out and they die. And how could it be that God could take on a body and then die? Because God doesn't die. So what's going on here? So maybe Jesus appeared to have a physical body. Maybe there was something going on so it looked like he had a body, but he didn't really have a body. Now, to make it short, John's answer is, yeah, Jesus had a body, okay? And in fact, these bodies that you think are so evil because of who Jesus was living a sinless life and because he was the son of God and because he was raised from the dead, he redeems these physical bodies so that we can actually do something positive with them. And in fact, all of that also defeated death. So Jesus' physical body was raised to life. Okay, so all these things that Jesus did redeems our physicality, our physical body. So yes, Jesus had a physical body and he changes who we are in our physical bodies. Now, what in the world does that have to do with the mission of the church? Okay, here we go. Because Jesus changed our identity in these physical bodies, he changed us so that we can actually do something Powerfully good in our lives as physical human beings. And John talks about that in 2 John. We don't have but one chapter, so we just give the verse number. It's verse 5. He says, And now, dear lady, now, dear lady, we think it's him probably talking to a specific church. So this is not an individual, this is written to a church. So, and now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but the one we had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another so okay, well, what is all this uh, not new, we've had it from the beginning I mean his point is love one another we get that, well it all goes back to John chapter 13 same John, back in the gospel of John we read him recording the words of Jesus and this is the way it goes a new command I give you so this is where it's new when Jesus said it love one another as I have loved you So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus says, okay, I'm giving you a new context of what it means to follow God. And that context is all about love. Love each other. In fact, Love should be so characteristic of my followers that when people see you loving others, they're going to go, that's somebody who follows Jesus because I've seen those people at work. It's a mark of who they are. They love each other. Now, back to 2 John. John is looking back on that. Decades later, he's writing this letter. We don't know exactly when. But he's looking back on that and saying, remember when, when Jesus said this for the first time? It was all new then. We've been repeating it to one another for a long time now. It's not new anymore. It's old. But it's still the same thing. The same thing Jesus said back when he was alive is still true today. Part of the mission of the church is love each other. Love one another. But he's not done. Verse 6. And this is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So we're called to love others, and we're called to love God, and the way we love God is to obey his commands, which oftentimes are tied up in our love for him and love for each other. So what does John tell us? John tells this church, now remember, John is not writing to a group of just individual Christians he's writing to the church and he's saying, here's what it's about. Love God, love others. And you'll see that in print in many different places here. And you'll see it on our website and you'll see us talking about it. Love God, love others. That's our mission. That's what we're all about. Now, lots of the things that we talked about earlier can fall into those categories, but But as this church, we are saying we are doing this intentionally because of where this all begins, and that's our love for God. That's where it starts. And then it is sort of grown out into our love for each other and for people around us. So love God, love others. And that means that everything that we do as a church should be run through this test of Is that a way to love God and love others or not? And if it's not, then it shouldn't be what we're doing. If it is, then let's continue to do it. And maybe we can sometimes think there are some ways that we could show our love for God and our love for others that we're not doing right now. Well, let's add this. So it should be that, okay, we gathered this morning. We gathered here for a reason. Not just random. We gathered here to let God know how much we love him. We gathered here to talk about what God has done in our lives, and we've sung songs about that. We're going to gather around the table and share communion together, and that's going to remind us this is what God has done. He sent his son in a physical body to die on a cross to be raised from the dead, and we're going to give God glory because he did that. That's our love for God. But we're doing it together for a reason, because we love each other. You know, it is not the same to, to sit at home and to worship ourselves. And we got people joining us online, and many of them can't be here. We're really glad they're joining us. Or maybe they're checking out our church, and they're going to come join us later on. But, but we were designed for this kind of community, to be together. So loving God... And loving others takes place right in this room. In fact, many times, this this is the place that it starts. Everything else grows out of what we do in this place as we love God and love others together as the church. But then it does go out of here. So what are we doing in our kids' ministry? Well, from the very earliest years, we're teaching them who God is. And we're teaching them that God loves us. And the way that we respond to this loving God is that we love him. And that we love our friends and our brothers and our sisters and our parents. We're teaching them, love God, love others. And that continues into our student ministry as we begin to see how that grows into a different kind of life and how you love God and then you love people wherever you are, whether it's at school or on a sports field or wherever it is, you're always loving God and loving others. That grows and expands. So that should be part of it. We think about our missions program. All of our missions should be an extension of the mission of this church. We are partnering with them because they see the same thing. We're called to love God and love others. Look right here in our community. Loving Arms Crisis Pregnancy Center. That's one of our missions. I mean, it is all about, okay, you're, you're in this situation, an unexpected pregnancy. What do we do next? Well, we want to show you, first of all, that God loves you and that you can love him, that God loves this baby that you're carrying. And what we want to do is to show you how we can help you walk a path that maybe you were not expecting to walk. And we want to partner with you, and we want to help you down that path. That is loving God and loving others. And we have missionaries around the globe who today have led churches and helped people worship, some of them in dangerous places where it was really not safe for Christians to gather, and they did it anyway because they're loving God and they're loving others. Some of our people in church gather every week to assemble bags that have food, and they go out to our schools in this community for kids who, you know, they don't have food on the weekend. They have school meals during the week, but on the weekend we want to supplement what their family has. And every one of us can donate toward that, the Hope Packs. It's a really simple thing, but you know what that is? It's loving God and loving others. You see, all the things that we talked about, whether it's having community within the church, whether it's serving the the community around us or serving people around the world, those things fit in, but it needs to be done under this umbrella of we love God so much that we want to worship Him in everything that we do. And we love God so much that we want to love the people that He created because they are made in His image. And yeah, we mess up. We all do. But God has changed us. And because His Spirit is at work in us, we are better people. Now, you know, this is something that we're just not ever done with. Right? I mean, we can say our mission is to love God and love others. We're going to create programs and ministry in this place and in our community and really around the world that that are all about loving God and loving others. And there's never going to be a time when we say, okay, you know what, We're, we got it. Now, this is, we've got it right. This is how you do it. Because it doesn't work that way. We have to continually say, okay, is this the right way to show love for God and love for others in this place at this time? And there'll be course corrections. There'll be times when we say, you know what, Well, maybe that worked really well 10 years ago, but now there's a better way, a more effective way, a more powerful way to show God's love than what we were doing before. And so we're going to change that. You know, our church is going to celebrate its 60th anniversary, the first Sunday in January. We're going to have a celebration for that day, and I'm going to give you more details of that in the next few weeks, but that's a big day. For 60 years, Christians have been gathering as a part of this body to show their love for God and to show their love for others. But we're not doing ministry the same way that that, that group started 60 years ago. Or even that some of our church who are still here now, we're, we're doing it 30 years ago. We're still saying, okay, culture's changed, the world's changed, we've changed, God hasn't changed and the mission hasn't changed. But how we do the work, that's got to keep changing. Because we want to keep showing people who God is by the way that we obey him and the way that we love them. So, I don't want our words to just be words. I don't want somebody to say, you know what, they say over at Taylorville Christian that, that their mission is to love God and love others. But you know what? I know why they really exist. Let me tell you. No, I want us to be the kind of Christians that when people talk about Taylorville Christian Church or Visionway Christian School, that they'll say, "You know what? I can tell they follow Jesus because of the kind of people they are. Because of the way they treat each other. Because of the way they do ministry. And love is so much a part of them that it's got to be Jesus at work because it couldn't be anything else. That's pretty good. God, help us to be focused on this, this mission that you've given us so easy for us to get distracted by other things, things that we just want, things that make us happy, things that make us feel comfortable. God, if it takes us being uncomfortable, if it takes us doing something we've never done, if it takes us being courageous, God, help us to do it. Equip us and empower us to love you and love others in the ways that you want us to do it because we want this to be in your will. And God, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.